everyone, and welcome to this special episode of the Modern Cotton Story. I'm Jennifer Crumpler, Fiber Development Manager and Manager of our E3 Sustainable Cotton Program from BASF. I'm really excited today to have you guys join us and have two special guests on the episode today, Mr. Butch Raker and Luke Etheridge. Both of these are co-workers of mine at BASF, and just want to give everyone, all of our listeners, an update on, you know, the current state of cotton. Um, I know it's kind of early and maybe the listeners don't realize what's going on in the field and what's happening right now, but just wanted to bring everyone up to speed. And I'm also joined by industry consultant Bob Anishak. So, Bob, everything going okay with you Other today? than the tornadoes last night, I'm doing great. So. Yeah, and, you know, any of our listeners that are um, were affected by some of the storms and all that came through, um, central part of the U.S. last night, you know, we really were thinking about you guys. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode. So Luke, why don't you start by introducing yourself to the audience and tell them a little bit about your background. Sure, Jennifer. So Luke Etheridge, um, the regional agronomist for South and East Texas uh, for BASF, um, representing um, Fibermax Stonebull Cottonseed and Credenz and Zatavio Soybean Seed. Um, but the majority of the work I do is in, is, is in cotton. Um, I grew up in a uh, small central Texas town ranching, not on a cotton farm. And um, how I got in the industry was just the grace of God, right? Um, spent uh, a few years at Texas A&M getting a few degrees and then another degree at uh, Louisiana State University. So great to be on again. And um, yeah, things are moving fast down here. All right. Awesome. Good deal. Uh, Mr. Butch, how about introducing yourself to the audience? Yes. Good morning. My name is Butch Raker. Um, I'm an agronomic solutions advisor for BASF. Uh, I'm located here in South Texas, actually live in, in the Corpus Christi area. Um, my territory consists of uh, the Rio Grande Valley, the Coastal Bend, where I reside, and then the Winter Garden, the Uvalde, Batesville area. And uh, been involved in agriculture since I was very young. Actually, uh, this coming June, I've been involved in 53 years of agriculture. And since college, 44 years. This is my 44th season. I started out with a corporate farm right out of college. I uh, was there 18 years and then in retail distribution, 16. And then I've been in the uh, supply side uh, since then. Um, enjoy agriculture. It's it's it's. It's a wonderful life and, and enjoy working with our growers and, and uh, been blessed with, with my career. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and so, Luke, I know you um, kind of said that you, you got blessed by the grace of God to get an ag. So what, tell us a little bit about that story, how you got involved in um, the industry and, you know, kind of uh, up until this point. Well, Jennifer, I mean, it's it's like anything else, right, in life, I guess. Um, I was listening to some podcasts yesterday on my drive and guys were just talking about, you know, opportunities and seizing opportunities as they come your way. And I had, I had an opportunity um, through kind of a rough time in life to get a job. Right. And um, I fell into a, a little job working for the extension weed specialist at Texas A&M um, as a, basically a field worker um, in the row crop um, industry. And um from there, it just evolved, and I'm still here 22 years later. So That's exciting. And Mr. Butch, now, how about you? I know you said you've been in it, and I love every time I 
see Mr. Butch on, whether it's at a customer meeting or a sales meeting, you know, he always has a smile on his face and he, um, you can tell he just loves his customers and he loves what he does. So, you know, Mr. Bush was, was yours kind of similar or did you grow up, um, farming? No, it, it, it's, uh, uh, just came my way. Actually my dad and, and, and uncles and that were oil field men and quite successful. And everybody thought that I would end up in the oil field, you know, uh, under my dad and, uh, I went to work for a ranch when I was 13 years old and worked nine years through junior high, high school and college. And I, I just fell, fell in love with agriculture. And, and, and what was a real true blessing is when I was in college, I was fixed to graduate. King Ranch was starting their row crop farming operation. And, and uh, one of the family members knew one of my professors and was inquiring about a, a you know, an individual that would have a business background in, in new agriculture, and she gave them my name, and, and they called me. And through some negotiations, I ended up going to work for them, and that's where I started my career uh, right out of college. Actually, they hired me before I graduated from college, and that's where I started my career is, is developing the row crop farming operation on King Ranch with a couple of other guys. And uh, quite an experience, quite an education and uh, I've just I've I've stuck with it, and I, I've got to stay right here in the coastal bend where I love to live, and and have thoroughly enjoyed, and have numerous friends and and even family members involved in agriculture. That's awesome. Well, that's quite a um that, that's quite an operation to start out with. I think most of our listeners um have, have heard of the King Ranch or have definitely seen their flying W or one of it. So that's that's a pretty good uh, start right there, Mister Butts. So, um, you know, one thing to, um, you know, you guys mentioned your role, but I'd really, you know, just to give, you know, our listeners an understanding of what you do on a daily basis. And, um, you know, Mr. Butch, if you can start with you as far as, uh, um, you know, your, you know, role. And I know BASF recently kind of did some reorganization and you guys got some new titles. So maybe give our listeners just a little bit of, um, you know, some of your job responsibilities that you currently have from day to day. Okay. We work as trusted advisors, uh, starting out primarily with our retail distributors and that, supporting them with our brands of seed, which is Fibermax and Stoneville, working with them on the varieties that fit our territories and having three territories. So we have varieties that fit the Rio Grande Valley. We have varieties that fit the coastal bend and even the winter garden. And you work with your retail distributors and that's in support of their growers, which is our growers too, and making the right decisions. And, and a lot of this information, are, we rely on our agronomics services team, which is Luke, um, all the work that he's done, that he performs and, and the information we get from him sets us up each year and what's best for our growers. And we relay that information to our, to our retail distributors. From there, we also work with our retail distributors side by side, along with our agronomic team with Luke and working with their growers on the, on the turn row, not just in the seed decisions they make, but we also support our BRs in the, the chemistry portion of our business. So it, it's really fulfilling um, life and being a trusted advisor and, and seeing our growers uh, make the right decisions and, and helping them with their success. And, uh, and with Fibermax and Stoneville, we've always had, you know, quality cotton varieties that not only produce, but also have outstanding fiber uh, quality. Yeah, and you know, Mr. Butch, 
I know our listeners have heard me before say that I spent, you know, close to 20 years in the ag industry. Um, and to me, I don't know if there's anything more fulfilling than when you, you know, help that grower make the right decision. You see your seed, you see the seed he planted grow, see that grow all the way through. You know, it, it's just that fulfilling piece that, you know, you're helping partner with, um, you know, your customer, uh, which is our farmers. So whether it's helping grow food um, to feed the world or, you know, cotton and fiber to clothe the world, it's just a great um it's just a great feeling. So I understand that fully. Um, well, Luke, let, let's kind of roll in. And I know Butch mentioned that he gets some stuff from you. So, you know, you on your side and you guys as a, um, an agronomist, what are some of your day-to-day activities? Yeah, Jennifer. So um, like Butch mentioned, um, agronomic, I'm, I'm part of the agronomic services team um, for BASF where we, I do, it's basically a sales support role, um, generating data to support um, new products that come to the marketplace and make those decisions to advance those new products. Um, I do what, what I call the large-scale pre-commercial testing of newer varieties. So basically, I'll get um, um, a new variety from the, the breeding group that's spent six, eight years developing a variety and it continues to show, um, you know, um, advantages um, to be a commercial product. And so those guys will pass that on to me as it moves through the pipeline. And I'll get a variety maybe one or two years prior to potential commercialization uh, to become a new variety. And I get to evaluate those with growers in kind of a large scale testing environment. So basically I'll plant those with grower equipment um, we harvest those with grower equipment, and I watch those varieties grow um, and document um, their growth habits um, and how they perform um, to, to generate sales support pieces. Like Butch says, as we go to the marketplace to, with a commercialized variety to position those products where they're best fit um, with, the, with the grower in mind at the end of the day with those products to get them um, to get them on the right acre. Like Butch mentioned, he's got like three different micro environments within his territory and finding those products that fit in those three different environments is, is kind of core to what I do. When I ask you a question about uh, anything new that uh, you've seen this year uh, uh, for the growers that you'd be interested in uh, telling the audience about, um, I know there's always new developments and and it changes from season to season. So, Butch? Yeah, I'm just trying to think what uh, uh, pretty much, you know, the new stuff would be the newer varieties that we have brought to the table in my territory, which is is, uh, I'm very appreciative of what, you know, Luke's work and everything in the past uh, last year and, and the dicamba varieties that have come down the the pipeline, uh, that is something we've needed. So it, it, that's new for me. And, and finally, we've got a variety that we feel has a great fit, not just in one of my territory, you know, territories, the Rio Grande Valley or the coastal bend. There's a variety that Luke has worked on and brought to the table and advanced and uh, has a great fit for all three of my territories. Um, 
uh, and that's uh, Stoneville 5091 B3XF. Uh, it has, we have great promise with this particular variety. We like the information that we've seen, how it's produced, and not only that, but the fiber package that it has with it. It's premium. Where grower can uh, capitalize on 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 the quality of that fiber, and then premium payments, and uh, so that's something that's new for us, for me, and uh, pretty excited about it, and getting it launched this year, and getting growers to take a look at it, and I think it has a, a great fit, and we have a great future with uh, Stonebull fifty ninety one. Thanks for that, Butch. Luke, do you have anything that? Anything new that you you're interested in talking about for this year, this season? Sure, Bob. I mean, for the listeners out there, I mean, we're we're the the seed industry as a whole has, I mean, it's it happens real fast. Um, we try to move some of these varieties through the pipeline um, very quick to stay competitive, and all the major companies that are the seed suppliers are doing doing something, you know, those things very similar. Um, if you if you look at how you know the GM traits or some of the native traits that are in some of these varieties, especially cotton, um, it's just astonishing how fast that um, you know we can do things versus you know traditional hybridization or traditional breeding. Um, that's you know that's kind of new that's developed over the last three or four years. Is just how quick we can you know start with a concept. You know, the breeding group can start with a concept and basically um, shorten the gap between that initial concept and when I get it um, is really, you know, it's exciting, um, right? Because we can um, we can bring those to the marketplace and fulfill those needs that growers need a lot quicker than we than we have through other traditional breeding. So, you know, that's that's exciting. Um, we can address a need a lot quicker. Um, than we have in the past. That's really neat. Is um, for both of you, have you noticed any changes or any new approaches to uh, that the uh, growers are implementing on the field at this point, or is it too early in the season to tell? Sure. So, Luke? you know that that's kind of a loaded question because it's it's dependent on geography. Um, for, for Butch and I mm-hmm. in South and East Texas, um, predominantly like the coastal bend where there's a significant amount of acres of cotton, is it's it's mostly dry land, and so every year is different when you you know when you're a dry land farmer um, with starting moisture to start start a crop um, when you get a rain whether it's timely or it's not, and so those guys adjust accordingly, and I'll give you a prime example you know this year. Those guys started planting, and Butch, I bet within what two or three days, that wind just started blowing thirty to forty miles an hour. Yeah, the soil moisture that we had at the time was just—I mean, it was going so fast. And so, these guys, you know, have learned right when, you know, it's the old saying like my dad used to say, when, you know, it's time to make hay. It's time to make hay, you know, and um, you know, it's it's gonna it's going to show this year, right? There's, there's going to be these little windows um, where guys were able to get in there and get it done um, with large scale equipment, um, you know, 18 row planters all the way to 24 um, row planters, just 
you know, basically playing as fast as they can because they know that window is just so small to, to get a crop going. Yeah, I concur with, Butch, with you? what Luke had, had, had to say there. Uh, uh, when you look at our territories, uh, normally we start in the Rio Grande Valley. They start planting cotton. They try to towards the end of January, 1st of February. You know, so, soil temperatures are uh, right during that time frame. And, and uh, whereas the coastal bend, you know, you're looking at the latter part of February. They're starting over with the coastal bend. We normally start planting here towards the end of February, 1st of March. And then in the winter garden, uh, they start, you know, weather that, that we have that comes through during this time of the year is that Luke was talking about the high winds and so forth, the cold fronts and how cold they are. And, and quite honestly, this year it's been rather cold. We've had some really tremendous cold fronts and actually a, a, a weather experience uh, where we had a severe freeze uh, in February, about the middle of February. Uh, we've only had a couple of those prior to that, 1983 and 1989. But one of our biggest challenges this year is is it's dry. Uh, the coastal bend is pretty much complete on planting. I'd say we're probably right now somewhere 90, 95% complete. Uh, farmers are wrapping up, and I'd, I'd say by today, first part of next week, we'll be totally planted. And, and then the weight game is, is to see how, what kind of stands they get and whether or not they're going to have to do anything in a replant. Uh, what's really uh, surprising is you take what I just said a while ago is that we should have been through in the Rio Grande Valley and they're just getting started. And the reason being is it's just been so dry down there. They haven't, they don't have the moisture. They haven't had the rains. And so they're starting to plant. And, and trying to get complete uh, right now and, and, and putting it in the ground and hoping for a rain. Um, it, it's, it's a serious situation there. We're drying the coastal bend. Uh, we do have subsoil moisture, but the top is, is just powder, and, and a rain would really help us here also. Uh, the winter garden is just now getting started here and visiting with uh, customers out there. Some of them are starting to crank up right now and, and they're in better shape than of the three territories that i work in the winter garden is actually in better shape than, than the coastal bend of the rio grande valley so it's a challenging year getting started uh, the weather experiences that we've had have not been uh, cooperative uh, to a good planting season and um, we feel for our growers in that which actually luke i probably with me we have spent a lot of time uh working with them uh, looking at their crops seeing how it's coming up and, and the challenges it just seems like the getting the crop started for 2021 has been um, uh, a pretty good challenge for all of us well butch and luke you know i know you guys are busy and been wide open and appreciate everything you guys do um out there every day in the trenches with our growers but i have one final question for you um, and, and Luke, we'll start with you. If you, cause a lot of our listeners are outside the ag industry and if you could let them know one thing about the industry of the farm, um, what would that be? I think Jennifer's resiliency, um, you know, to those, those listeners outside of, you know, farming is, I mean, when you work with these guys every day, like, like Butch and I do, you just see the resiliency 
to to weather through storms and weather through dry situations and they get, they get up still do their job um you know they're passionate about what they do and it's it's very humbling for me to to work with those guys that do that kind of stuff day in and day out um you know i, I look back at you know since i've started in the role i've been in the role about 16 months in my second crop and um you know whether it's dry when you start planting and those guys are just keep going deeper and deeper to try to get moisture to get it up um a hurricane that comes through right when we're about to pick um it you know it's it's very humbling for me to see the resiliency that those guys um have when they when they do their jobs awesome and mr butch what about you you know if you were talking to someone outside of the industry what is one thing you would want them to know about the ag industry and your growers you work with well i echo what luke just said uh Hey, agriculture today, uh, especially farming, is is um, high risk. Growers, you know, trying to make the right decision, go the right direction. They're dealing with so many things. Just you know, government regulations, the market, uh, climatic conditions. Uh, you know, labor and, and it just, it's tremendous what's on their shoulders. And, you know, they're independent operators. Um, they don't work for a company that they can fall back on and have support. So I think farmers are, are pretty tough breed. I, I just, they amaze me. And, and like Luke said, they get up every day and they just keep at it, uh, knowing that they're having to plant in dry conditions, knowing that temperatures are fluctuating and not cooperating. And, and, uh, and, and we've been blessed. Our growers have been blessed using our products and, and in the past and somehow I've pulled out a, a crop, uh, a decent crop. And then also our, the quality of our fiber uh, has helped them. Uh, one thing I would like for, the public to understand is just how critical it is that we have growers that supply food and fiber uh, to our country and uh, I think people take that just for granted and it's so important you know they're the backbone of our country I think farmers and ranchers for that matter and i just wish people would recognize that and understand that when they walk into that grocery store when they walk in and and purchase any kind of cotton apparel or 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 house good is exactly where did that come from yeah and and the, the sweat and the tears that went into that to get to that point so uh uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy working with our growers and and uh, and understand you know all their challenges and and it's it's been really a great career in, in working with such fine people uh, well I appreciate that both Luke and mr butch and um, I appreciate you guys taking time to come on this morning and the passion that we can hear in both your voices and Bob thanks again for um, helping join us today and 
like to thank you, um, our listeners, for joining for this episode of the Modern Cotton Story. Um, we're able to hear what's happening down in South Texas in that coastal bend area. Um, so, but if you ha- should have any questions or need to know anything about the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program, please email me at e3cotton at bas.com.